0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com The Torah tells us that the life of Sarah was a 100 years, 20 years, and 7 years. Everyone knows the famous question, that why doesn't it say that Sarah lived 127 years? So Rashi says, that when she was a 100, she was like 20. When she was 20, she was like 7. In Now, we know that a person who's 20 gets judged by Shemayim. So she said that when she was 20, she was like a 7-year-old. The 7-year-old has no Averis. So just like that, when she was 20, she had no Averis. When she was a 100, she was like she was 20. And I saw in the Zohar this week that Sarah, you may Reached a a perfect a a perfect perfect time, and all she fixed all the spheres and all the worlds. So when she left, she was she was she was she was perfect. Now, Shnei Sar Rashi says, "Kulam shavim l'toyva." They were all, now they weren't all equal and good, because it says she only lived thirty-seven years that she that were good. When after when she was ninety, she had Yitzchak. So Rashi doesn't mean that they were all great years. He means that in those. 127 years. She lived a good life, and that's really what we all need to try to do. We need to try to to use our years and 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 use it, you know, uh, for the right things, not for the wrong things. So, <coughs> I want to focus. A very interesting. Um, a very interesting Rashi. The Rashi says the following: In the Torah, it says in the next passage about Thomas She died in this week. Whoa. This week you can't get into Chevron on Shabbos. This Shabbos, Chay Sara, by 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 the Marzah Machpelah, they have hundreds of minyanim. People camp out. This is the big week for Chevron because Sarah is uh, buried, in. that's when Avraham Avinu bought the Marzah Machpelah. This week's parasha. Okay, so the pasuk says, "By Yavoy Avram, Avram came lispoid leSarah to say a haspid on Sarah and to cry for her." Now the word, and if you look in the Torah and you're looking Chumash, in Chumish, the word vilip the chaf is very small. Why is the chaf very small? So, Rashi says that the reason we find the parasha of, of Sarah dying and the parasha of the Akkad, I want to read it to you inside. Because the Satan came, and he and he told her about the Akedah, <laughs> that her son was prepared to be shechted, and almost, but he wasn't shechted. <laughs> now, when I was a kid, I, I learned this Rashi, and I thought that she had a heart attack, that he told her that your son was about to die, and he was saved, and she had a heart attack. That doesn't make sense because if she would have said your son was about to die and he died you have a heart attack say someone ha- your son was about to die but he, he's alive right you don't have a heart attack so that's wrong that's wrong because Menu wasn't the kind of woman that's going to die because she thinks her son's being shechted that's not what's going on over here what's going on over here so I, I have two pshatim on this one is what I said to you last week and that fits into Rashi perfectly that Rav Chaim Bital says over from the Zayar that he already had shechted one of the two pipes, that Avraham already had shechted the food pipe, he hadn't shechted the windpipe, right? So the malachim had taken Yitzchak up to the next world. So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says that what did she see? She saw kim'at, right? Shuloi nishchat. Kim'at, he almost was totally shechted. He wasn't totally shechted. What does that mean he wasn't totally shechted? Yeah, only one of the pipes was shechted. So she saw that he wasn't totally shechted. So Pachon Nishmasu Meis, a beautiful var. So she loved Yitzhak very much. She wanted to be with him. So she saw that when she was almost shakti, the Malachim came and took her to the next world. When the Malachim took her to the next world, she said, my son is very damaged. He was very damaged. I saw this week that he wasn't two years, he was three years. Two years or three years, because it makes sense that he was three years, because it says that Rivka was born at that second. So Rivka was three years old when she met him in the field. So it's massive that he was there for three years. But Sarimenu said, I want to be with Yitzchak. They said, if you want to be with Yitzchak, you can go to Gan Eden, but you can't take your body to Gan Eden. You have to go, just your neshama. So the, the Lush of the Rashi is, that Poh Her neshama left her, right, Umesa, and she died. Most of us, what happens, this is not what happens, most of us die, and her neshama leave us, leaves us. Here, she, her neshama left her, and then she died. What's going on over here? Because the Rashama wanted to be in, in the, in, the, my Ralph said this way, My wife Weinfeld said an amazing thing. And my Weinfeld said, he's, that one of the tzaddikim said, why did she die? She said, how come I wasn't there? Why did Avram of Vinu, he had the chance to do the Akedah, and I didn't have the chance to do the Akedah? So she felt so bad, thank you. She felt so bad that she wasn't, that she wasn't part of the Akedah that had killed her. She wanted to be part of the Mitzvah. See, there's a lot of, a lot of them on this. There's a lot of devatarius on this. But there's a, an amazing, and that's what I'm speaking about tonight. There's an amazing devatarius on the small chav. Why is there a small chav? That, that's very derogatory. The guy loses his wife, and the Torah tells you, you know, it didn't bother him much. He came to, he cried a little bit. Liv says, little chav. I mean, if we said that any, you know, if we said that about you, Chas after 120, you know, the guy's 90 years old, his wife dies, and he, like, doesn't cry much, that's not a good husband. So, why didn't Avram cry more? Why is there a chaf? In our sitter, we have a sitter over here on the table. By the way, you were right about the Gemara, there's 903 misais. Sure. Uh, that's what it says. So, at night, tonight, by Myrev, we say the following. We should we should rest in peace. We should get up in in chaim time with shalom, and then we say, "Vahasser melein and remove from us aivain enemies, dever, disease, cherev, sword, rav, hunger, yagah and vahasser satan." And you should remove the satan milfanehu from in front of us, umehachareinu, and from in back of us. Who in this room has a sultan behind him? You ever ever sultan try to get you from behind? Satans in front of you. Watch this movie. Look at this girl. Uh, he's in front of you, you know. He he gives you the machshavas and the thoughts to do something wrong. He's not behind you. He's in front of you. Usually it's hates the tiger. behind you, way behind you. Because you ran away from him. Not because he ran away from you. Because you ran away from him, right? So what does this tfila, you say it every night. What is this Tila? This is so important. And a lot of guys in this room will understand exactly what I'm talking about, including myself. Let's say, let's say, we have a whole speech tonight about going to Minyan. Right? Every day, you get up late. And you finally decide tomorrow that you're going to get up early and you're going to go to Minyan. So you get up early and you're going to go to the 7 o'clock Minyan by Landhouse. Right? You got up at six o'clock, you shaved, you showered, you got dressed, shined your shoes, brushed your teeth, brushed your hair, got your fill in, rubber wall Street, I'm changing my life, I'm gonna be with that seven o'clock minion, right? And you get there at five to seven, of course there's no parking, and you're going around and around and around, and there's no parking, and you say, you know what? I'm parking at the pump. Okay, we're not gonna say parking at the pump, because you're never allowed to park at the pump. Because if you parking at a bus stop is a problem because of khiloshem. I used to always park at bus stops. All all the time. Because who am I bothering? I'm parking at a bus stop. So, all the way in the front, all the way in the back, what is disturbed? And people, the guy in the they're not going to whatever, they, they see a guy parking at a bus stop and they, it's very, uh, it's very not mannerly and like this is, a bus stop is a place for people to wait to get on a bus. Why are you parking your car there? So, it's a very big HaShem. So in my head I came up with an idea that if there's no one, waiting for the bus, then it's not a, such a big Chil which is wrong, because when you come out of the shul, and you get into your car, and there's people at the bus stop, it's such a big Chil So you shouldn't park at bus stops. Right? Alternate side, that's your problem. You want to get a ticket. That's your problem. But a pump, you're never allowed to park at. Because if Chas V'shalom, you're parked at a pump, and there's a fire, and they can't get to that water, it takes extra time. They've got to break your windows, they are got to break your windows. Right? But it takes them extra time. And somebody dies, then you have a very big problem besides American law and Jewish law. You're a grandma to the Nezikin. You caused the Nezik one second of them getting in the water. So you really never allowed to park at a pump. But let's say you didn't park at a pump. You just parked somewhere illegal because it's not your fault. You couldn't find a spot by landhouse. Okay. Now, you haven't gone to Minyan in eight years, right? This is your big step to get closer to Hashem. This is your major step. This is your move. Right? It, I went to your shit changing my life, and you're going to change everything. You have ideas, you're going to go to Mincha and Meir, you're going to stop this, you're going to get this off your off your, off your phone, you're going, to, you're going to delete a couple of numbers off your phone, you're going to delete some stuff off your computer. That's it. You're starting this morning. This is a new man. I'm a new man, right? You go to Davin, you come outside, and there he is, the sheriff. And you watch your car being towed. And you stand there and you say, I wish I wouldn't have gone to Minyan. I would have been home. The car would have been in my driveway every day. Now I lost half my day. I got to go to the impound. I got to pay $175 for the toll. I got to pay all my old tickets. You know what? I wish I would have never gone to Davin. That's the Satan Me'al Krenu. Because in the next world, if you do something good and you feel bad about it, they erase what you did. So now, the satan lost the fight with you. you. went home. You set 12 alarm clocks. Your cell phone alarm clock, the alarm clock next to you. You call, dial, wake-up call. You, 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 your iPod's vibrating. It's like, there's no way I'm going I'm to do this, right? And all that, which is huge in Shemayim, in one second you lost because you said, I wish I wouldn't have done this. Look what happened. So the satan is very smart. Even if he loses... He has a chance to still win by making you feel bad that you changed. Now, sometimes it's a long war. I, I, I mean, I, I deal with girls and girls that went there to thrill and girls that worked so hard, really so hard, and they come back here and they're religious and they're looking for a good religious boy and they really got their head on, really got their head on. And a year and two years and three years and four years and they're still dating and they're not finding anybody. And all of a sudden, they start to think, you know what? I wish I wouldn't have gone to seminary. I wish I wouldn't have become religious. All my friends that graduated in the co-ed school with me, they're all married. And they're all happy. And look at me. Six years, I'm going to shir, I'm going to shul, I'm dressing tzniyus, and I don't have anybody. I wish I wouldn't have done this. I would be much happier if I wouldn't have done this. All six years, and all that seminary, and all that work, erased. Delete. doesn't exist. And the sultan's sister says, so I didn't get you up front, but I got you from behind. I got you to feel bad about what you did. And he's very, very smart at that. So even when you do a mitzvah, and you feel very good that you did the mitzvah, be careful. Be careful. Because he's going to try, and say, and your friends are going to call you and say, so you went to Myrub, you didn't want to come with us to the movie? Oh man, if you would have met who we met, and you're thinking to yourself, shouldn't have gone to tonight to a minion. You lost your minion. I shouldn't have gone to learn this morning. You know, you, 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 come, you, you work in a real estate office. I know a guy, he, he learns in the morning, in yeshiva, he learns for three hours. He says, you don't know how many times I come into the real estate office. He gives them three hours in the morning of work in real estate. He says, so many times I come into the real estate office and, and they're already talking. It's three hours into the day, right? It's like 12 o'clock. And they're all talking about the deals they made that morning. And I feel like, for one second, like, oh, if I wouldn't have gone to yeshiva, I would have had a deal. Boom, you, learned, you lost the whole morning. Lost the whole morning. If that's how you look at it, that's meach reino. So we dive in every night. We go to sleep. It's a beautiful word. So why do you say this at night? Say it in the morning. Say it in the morning. Because at night when you go to sleep, you think about everything you did that day. And that's the last second for that day that the H.R. can get you. You beat him. You beat him 10 times. You beat him 10 times. You don't talk to girls anymore. Right? You beat him 10 times. All of a sudden your friend says, hey, guess who I met today? Guess who called me? Right? And you're like, oh, man, why would I give this up? It's all gone. So the last second of the day, when you review your day, you have to say, before you go to sleep, Hashem, I don't want to feel bad about the good I did today. I don't want to lose it. So protect me from what's in front of me, but Hashem, protect me before I go to sleep. That when I go through my whole day that I don't feel bad that I went to Minyan, and I don't feel bad that I don't talk to girls, and I don't feel bad that I got straight and I'm doing the right thing. Kishbaruchu, protect me from that. And that's what a person has to do. So therefore, listen to this beautiful word. So Avram Avinu and Sarimenu were inseparable. They were inseparable. So what does this mean that he cried a little? And why would the Torah tell you that? Okay, let's say he didn't like her. Let's say they didn't get along. The Torah shouldn't tell us that they didn't get along. she should say, oh, he felt so bad he couldn't sleep for five weeks. Why would the Torah tell us this? The Torah is telling us the biggest thing that ever happened in Judaism was Akedah like, okay, Yitzchak. The biggest thing. The Satan lost. And if you look into last week's parasha, open up a mob lawyers, there's 15 pages of the sultan fighting with Avram and Yitzchak to try to stop them. He made a river. He made a mountain. He did, he put everything in front of them that he could possibly put, that there should be no al And he lost. He went down. They did the al He lost. He said, okay, but it's not done yet. I'm going to kill Sarim Mainu. I'm going to show her everything that happened. She's going to die. So the minute Avraham Avinu came down from the mountain, the Satan rant to Avraham Avinu, what did he say? You killed your wife! What do you mean? She saw everything you did to your son? You think you did a mitzvah? She's dead. Now you have to bury her. A normal person would have turned around and said, I knew I shouldn't have done this, okay, look what happened, I lost my wife and my son. My son's up in Shemayim. My wife's gone. I'm all alone. So the Shatan came and he said to Avram Avinu, You're a murderer. You killed her. Not only were you a murderer to kill your son, you killed your wife. And Avram Avinu had a second over there of maybe feeling bad that because of the arcade, that now he lost his beautiful wife that he loved so much, that he finally had a child with. So the Torah tells you he got up and he didn't even cry. He didn't even cry. Now, great question. What comes first when someone dies? The eulogy or the crying? What comes first? The crying. The, the, the hespit comes by the Levaya. Someone gets a phone call, someone close to them died, he starts to cry. Why does the Torah tell you that first there was a eulogy and then he cried? And then he cried very little. The Torah should say he cried and then he, t- he said a eulogy. What was his eulogy? What did he say? What did he say about Sarimena? So the eulogy had to come first. He didn't cry at all. Because if he would have cried, they would have showed Hashem that he felt bad about the midst of the Akedah and he would have lost the whole Akedah. So he didn't cry at all. Something said, hey, your wife died. Do what you did. I'm not crying. You're not, I'm not going to feel bad about what I did. So he got up and he said, a husband. And he said, I want you all here to know that this death of my wife, she was going to die anyway. Because a person's time, we don't believe that bad news can cause a person to die. That's not Judaism. That's why that Rashi has to be translated differently. Bad news doesn't cause a person to die. And a heart attack doesn't cause a person to die. And what you eat doesn't cause you to die. There's a moment in life that a person's written when he's born, when he's going to leave this world. Okay, Raul so then you mean I could smoke? Because I'm going to die anyway? You mean I can eat anything I want? No. No, you can't. Because there's a derech There's a time that you're supposed to die if you live a normal life. If you decide to jump off a bridge, then it's not your time. So a person could die before his time because not always do you deserve, if you're going to sit and eat fatty foods and, 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 and smoke cigarettes and drive a car without a seatbelt, then you need a miracle not to die. A miracle is very hard. We don't deserve a miracle. But it was perfect. So she wasn't dying because of some news. So Rabbi said, everybody, calm down. Calm down. I didn't kill my wife. My wife was supposed to die today at 127 years old. This is when she was supposed to die. So what's the whole thing with that case with all the news, you know, the inquirer and all the newspapers came out. Abraham killed Sarah. First tries to kill his son. Unsuccessful. But kills wife. You know, everyone's buying it. The great Abraham, he's killing, you know, oh, big time, People Magazine, this is big news. You know, Abraham was the big man at that time, you know? He got me, he said, let me tell you guys, I didn't kill her. She was supposed to die anyway. So why did the Sultan do this whole thing? He did it so I should feel bad that because of me she died. So first he said the Hespid. First he said, she was supposed to die anyway. She's at tzaddikistah. She died 127. I guess she was as beautiful as a 7 year old skin. She had a ve- no averus like a seven-year-old. There was nothing wrong with her. But my wife died, so I have to cry. But I'm going to cry less than any normal husband would cry. To show the world and to show the Yetzirah that I don't feel bad that I did the Akedah. Therefore, the Torah wants to show that off to all of us. And the Torah wants to tell us that the Chaf, is small because Avraham Avinu was saying to the Yitzhahara, you're not getting me from the back. You're not going to make me feel bad about what I did. There are so many guys in this room that work so hard to change and then feel bad about changing and about what they did and give up all that work. It's just a trick. It's just a trick. That guy's fault was he parked illegally. So he set that up. The Yitzhahara didn't have a hard time setting that up. But even if you didn't do anything illegal, and you park in front of a and someone hit you, it's just the Yitzhahara to make you feel bad about what you did. You gotta laugh them in the face. And it's gotta be a small cuff. If you have to cry about what happened, that your car got smashed, it should be a little cry. It shouldn't be about that I went to shul, or that I that I that that, that, that I that I that I did a mitzvah, that I did give me that I gave my money, and if I would have saved that money, and I wouldn't have helped them, that I could have invested it. That, that whole tzedakah is gone, and that's the etzahar's power. And it's very sad because really, until you die, you don't really have a beat. Because at any point in your life, if you feel bad that you changed and you're missing that fun, then that whole change you lose. So he's very smart. Therefore, we need to dive into Hashem every night to protect me, protect me from the back. Protect me from feeling remorse about what I did. Okay. What happens if you felt bad already and after listening to Rabbi Wallerstein, you regret that you felt bad? Do you get it back? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it's a double reverse a negative. Yeah, you should be a positive. Okay. Now, we go further in the Pasha, It's a great Parsha. It's the dating Parsha. Right? So, Avram Avinu sends Eliezer. And Eliezer, for the guys who are dating, there's a lot of guys in here are dating. So you really see um, that the way it was set up here was Eliezer diving to Hashem and said, I'm, I'm looking for a certain simonim. Hashem, show me the girl. Show me the simonim. And Eliezer was Avram's evet. But he really left it up to Hashem. Yes, you have to go on a date. Right, but the truth is, you really if you really leave it to Baruch, your, your dating will be a lot easier. First of all, you can blame everything on him, on God. It's not my fault. She said no. It's your fault. You didn't. It wasn't the right shidduch. You know, and we don't like to. You know, we don't like to get nos. But the truth is that the more and, and you see this is unbelievable Pasha, that the other comes and the first girl that shows up, she says right right away is the right girl. He Hashem. Now, what's very interesting about this story is, is Rivka. I, I really, I, I have some amazing stories that I never said ever before um, tonight, and I, want, I really want to get to them about saying man and about Davening. But I just want to talk about Rivka because there is a lot of guys that are dating, and, and, and he really tells us what to um, what to look for in a girl. Okay? So, what happened here is, number one, she was not only a Baal Chesed, she was also extremely, extremely smart. Now, the big question here is, it says that when, when he came to the Be'er, to the well, so when she came to the well, the water came up on her on its own. Which, by the way, is a Jewish thing, because from then on, Yaakov Avinu when he came to the well by Rachel and Leah, the Medrash says the water came up. Moshe Rabbeinu, when he came to Midjun, the Medrash says the water came up. So if you ever go on a date, right, and she walks by the water fountain and goes on on its own, marry her. That's for sure. There's nothing to talk about. But this is very interesting. So where's her, where's her, where's her, well there's a famous story. What, well, what, what did she do over here? What did she do over here? I'll tell you a story that I had. I, I said this a long time ago. Um, what did she do here? What happened over here is she was very smart. Because Eliezer came, right, and she said the following. She was, she was very, very smart. Besides, she was very beautiful. Okay. Now, can I have a little water from your pitcher? She said, drink, my master. She gave him to drink. Now, when he finished drinking, she said, I want to also give them to drink. Her brilliance was, she had a big problem now. She had a whole pitcher of water. She was a shepherdess. So she was feeding animals, not humans, right? She had a whole pitcher of water. Now, Eliezer comes to her and says, give me, give me a little water. So she gives him the whole pitcher. Now, he drinks from the pitcher. Now, what she should do, being that she's a stranger and he drinks from a pitcher, and there's a lot of germs on there, she can't give it to another human to drink. She should pour it on the floor and get new water. But if she pours it on the floor, she's pretty much telling the guy in front of her, Eliezer, you're diseased. It's an insult. She took a little bit from the pitcher and now she's going to pour it on the floor. So she right away thought, how am I going to use the water without spilling it out and not insult him? So she was very brilliant. She said, do you have camels? Let me give you a camel's drink. Camels don't care for... They have germs from a human being. So Eliezer realized that her midos were that she didn't want to embarrass him. What's the big deal? So pour it out. He understands his germs. And then refill it. She right away thought, no, no. Let me get the camels. Let me give this water to the camels. I'm not going to waste the water. I'm giving it to the camels and he won't be insulted. So he saw that she's very brilliant. And of course, we know, the they figure out how much water she brought. It was like not normal. Ten camels, what they drink, it's like a bathtub each camel. And if you do the gallons for a little three-year-old girl... It was just absolutely you saw that you had great unbelievable Seattle and Shmaya. Okay. Now, so there's a story, a guy once came over to me on his first date, after his first date. He said, Red Wallstein, I went out with this girl tonight. I want to marry her. Now guys do that every once in a while. You know, we're guys, you know, I met her, I love her, I want to marry her, done. I'm like, one bait? He's like, I don't have to go out anymore. I said, Where'd you get this from? He says, I got it from your from your class. Said, you got it from my class? He says, Yes, you gave a class on Chaya and you talked about Rivka. And you said what she did. And I have to tell you what happened tonight. I said, okay. said, we, we go on the dates, right? And I pull into the gas station, because I'm very low on gas. She jumps out of the car, right? She, she right away pays, you know, takes the gas thing, starts filling up my car, runs to my window and says, now that I'm filling your car, can I get you something to drink also? <laughs> All right. Anyway, so no that's what happened here that's what happened here she fed she gave him to drink oh you mean she gave him to drink and then fill up the car okay that would look a little weird but okay very good you're right good point that's why I made made him go out with her another eight nine times anyway you have to know everything tell you the end of the story the end of the story is she didn't marry but she bought a gas station with with a soda store became very wealthy all right Anyway the main thing to look for in a girl the main thing to look for in a girl is what Eliezer looked for because he understood what Avram was looking for. The main thing to look for in a girl is Ramidos and, 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 and her and her kindness and also that she and her thoughtfulness and her sensitivity. There's a lot of sensitivity here. That yes it was unbelievable that she fed all the camels, but that move that sensitivity not to embarrass Eliezer that was really a, a, a major, major move that he understood that she was sensitive not to hurt somebody else. So, you know, just like a guy, you have to be careful. I always tell the girls, you know, the story with the, with the tip, where this girl was going out on a fifth date, and she was, I told you, in the Marriott, in the windows of the world, and he didn't want to tip the waitress. And I told her that she should run for her life, because he didn't understand. I'm paying $5 for a Diet Coke. So I'm paying $10 for two Diet Cokes. He said to her on his fifth date, you know, why should we tip the waitress? $10 for two sodas? I should tip the waitress? So she thought that wasn't like really nice. She didn't know. Was that that nice? I said, I understand. What he said. Why not tip the waitress? So he said, because it's her job. So I said, so what, is he gonna, what does he think your job is? How's he going to take care of you? If this girl is sitting at 1130 at night, serving drinks, right, in a place that goes around slowly, you know, that place goes around slowly. So she's probably dizzy after serving drinks for four hours in the Marriott, right? And, and, you're not sensitive to understand that this girl probably has kids or whatever it is. She's she's serving drinks to pay her rent, right? So she she's coming in and she sees this girl and this boy, right? She's serving you drinks. You're sitting there talking and laughing and having a good time. She's working tables. And you he doesn't have the sensitivity that this is the way she makes her living off the tips. And he, want, he doesn't want to give her a tip. This is a guy you want to marry. Run for your life. And I'll tell you what happened. She ran for her life. Because I always say, if that was my daughter, if she came home and told me such a story, So, but on the, on the other side, it has to be the same thing by the girl. The, the girl that you're going has to have has, has to have sensitivity. So you talk, have to watch how she talks to the waitress. She te- treats the waitress, or it's her job, like, like she's, you know, or take back this food. It's not done well. Watch out, because she's going to do that to you. So watch out. She was, she was a very, very sensitive person, Rivka. Very sensitive to the person's needs. And when a guy goes on a date with a girl, that's what he should look for. Forget about everything else. You have to look at her sensitivity and her chesed and that she's a good person because in the end, that's what you really need more than anything else. You need a good person, you need someone that's sensitive. Both ways. It works both ways. Okay. Anyway, I'm not giving a dating class tonight. So, the Pasha goes on and says that she met Yitzchak in the field when he was davening. I want to talk a little bit tonight, a very wild story. Uh, I'm on, uh, what's it called, uh, Com. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of phone calls Sunday because actually when I read this story, it was like, this is one of Avas Chaim's stories that is so out of the box that even I was like, whoa. So, listen carefully to this story. He says the following. Before, before we go to that story, I just want to tell you very fast that, um, I came across this week. It's interesting that he brings it down, I I, I'm coming across this and, and I'm sure you're all involved in this. And this is the friend thing. You know, no matter what the Rebbe says, no matter what you do, your friend is your friend and I have friends. And I know where it's coming from and I understand it and I respect it. You know, that, that you'll fight the world for your friend. You'll fight Hashem, the Torah, your parents and anybody because he's my friend and he's there for me. And my parents are not there for me and nobody else is there for me. And this guy is really there for me. And I, and, and I, and I have this with girls and with boys. I think that's the hardest thing. The Yetzihara is very smart. Yetzihara, if he wants to ruin a kid or ruin a person, he sends him to a bad friend. Because once you become a friend with him, it's almost, it's, nobody can separate you. Nobody can You can separate a guy from his movies. You can separate a guy from girls. You can separate guy from anybody. You cannot separate a guy from his best friend. So if his best friend's rotten, his best friend's into drugs, his best friend's a drug dealer? He's gonna do drugs and he's gonna, and he's gonna become a drug dealer. So the Eitzahara, when he wants to take a guy down, what does he send him? Not a movie. Not a magazine. He sends him a bad friend. That's why it says, Mishachin Ra, umechovera." Stay away from a bad neighbor and a bad friend. So I want to tell you, this is one of the most this this is not the the story that's out of the box. It's such a true story, and I know that at the end of the story everyone's gonna say, Rabbi Wallstein, not me. Not him. They're different. You know, those are the two words. Two words they get girls into trouble, and the two words they get boys into trouble. You don't understand. That's not the two words. That's the first two words. You don't understand Rabbi Wallstein, he's different. You don't understand Rabbi Wallstein, she's different. Nobody's different. The Torah tells us what to do and the guidelines. They, they know, that's my wife's ring, that they know, the and knows that nobody's different. But that's the answer that every single guy that I talk to. So when it comes to friends, they're, Rabbi Wallstein, you're right. You, one, one person told me this week, he looked at me and he said, you don't understand my relationship with my friend, Rabbi Wallstein. I don't want to hurt you. You never had a friend like I have. He told me to my face, you never, you don't even understand what a friend means. I'm like, what, he shares his drugs with you? Yeah, you're right. I don't have a friend like that. What What does that mean? I never had a friend like, how do you know what kind of friend I had? Actually, I had a friend in my days, right, in my days, I don't know if I should say this on on video, but I had a friend when I was in camp, we were both 18 years old. And in those days, it was very cool to be Indian blood brothers. We're talking a long time ago. How do you become an Indian blood brother? You have to cut yourself a little bit, and you mix blood. You don't do that today. (laughs) Don't try that at home. Don't try that anywhere, okay? Where did this Mishugas come from? Because I used to read Hardy Boy books. And in the Hardy Boy books, there were blood brothers. So me and this Mishugan, both of us Mishugan kids, at 18, we mixed blood. So I'm looking at this guy, I'm like... You think you have a friend with the last guy you mixed blood with, you know? He wouldn't have understood that. Forget about it. So he's telling me that you don't understand what a friend is. And I understand that's the is burning inside. Yitzhakara's telling him, he doesn't understand. This guy's really your friend. This guy's destroying this friend. He's, this kid is a good kid. This guy is taking him down to the lowest part of Gehenna. And he, he just like, he just, you don't understand him. It's not re, he's really a good guy. I'm like, you're right. You don't understand him, but he's not... Like my Rabbi Emil says, look at the product. Look at the product. Product's good, ingredients are good. Product's poison, there's poison in those ingredients. You don't take chocolate and yeast and flour, put it in a cake and make poison. If there's poison coming out of that cake, then poison went into that cake. Somebody poisoned that cake. So therefore, a person... What's going on here tonight? We're so busy here. What's going on? With all my rings... So so so, what's what's going on over here? So I said to him, "Okay, okay, he's a good kid. Look what you're doing. Look what he's doing to you. He's pretty poisoned to you. Half poison coming out of you. You're not poisoned." So Baruch Hashem, he's not not Baruch Hashem. He's not here tonight. he happens not to be here tonight. But I hope to give him the tape. Baruch Hashem, Hashem always helps me when I have such situations during the week and I prepare a sheer, It's the answer is right here. So listen to this story. I'm not the only one that has this problem there was a person who was very rich, about he was a big tzaddik. And he had one child. He was married for 20 years to one woman, and he had one child. He says, this child, the parents were very careful with him. They had one, Ben Yochid, right? He was very careful. But he wanted to get out, and he wanted to have friends, especially an only child. He doesn't have brothers. He doesn't have sisters. So he wants to hang out. So, he began to hang out. He got his father's money. Nothing's changed. And he spent the money. And he was very wealthy, this kid. So he was the guy with the Black American Express card. So all of a sudden, all the guys became his friends. And he used to take them to bars. And he used to take them out to eat. And when his father said they were bad for you, you see, these are old stories and it's just the same thing, doesn't change. Listen to what he said. He said that it's not true. His father said, they're just using you. They just look like they love you to use you. But if you were ever in trouble, they'd be the first guys to rat you out. And you're all like, no, not my friend. <laughs> he would never rat me out. Sure. When the cops tell him that he's getting 20 years, right, and he's only 19 years old, which means he's going to be in jail till he's 39 years old, unless he talks on the other guys, he ain't sitting for 20 years for you. Even though you're all thinking, no, 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 right, whilst well, he doesn't understand. Been there, done that. I've sat in the rooms in the police stations and I've watched kids just rat out, rat out their best friends because they thought they were going down. And this is what this father told his son. And his son said, said, not my friends, right? Okay. I know this is not a, this is not like last week's shit. You don't like to hear this because, you know, I'm messing with something really sensitive to everybody in here. I'm really sticking a needle into that friend thing. And I, but, but you have to hear this because it's really important. Listen to what happens. So the father says to the son, very smart man, He says to the son, okay, okay, you say your friends love you. How many friends do you have? He says, Shishim, I have 60 best friends. So you can imagine how much money this guy, he was really taking care of the boys. They were going limos to AC, you know, comp, the rooms were comp, the food was comp, everything, a real good friend, you know, great. I have 60 friends. So the father says to him, you have 60 friends? He says, I think I have a half a friend. father was 80 years old. I think I have a half a friend. And you, at your age, as a young kid, you have 60 friends? He goes, yeah, Dad, you're just not a friendly guy. When I'm a friendly guy, I have 60 friends. Listen to what the father did. Okay. So the father said, I'm 80 years old, I'm an old man, and I only have a half a friend. He says, okay, this is what we're going to do. He says, we're going to check out, we're going to test your friends. He says, okay. He bet his father. He says, Dad, you'll see that my friends are much better than your half a friend. Father said, okay. He went into the back and he took out a lamb. This is this amazing story. This is a very smart father. He took out a lamb and he shechted it. And he took the head of the lamb and he skinned it. And that was full of blood. And he took the head of the lamb and he put it into a sack. Then he took the blood and he smeared it all over his son's hands and his son's clothing. And he put the head of the lamb in a sack. And he said, he took a big George sword, dipped it in the blood, and put the sword in the kid's hand. And the kid looked at his father and said, now what am I supposed to do? He said, now I want you to go to your best friend's house and I want you to tell him a story and let's see how good he is. Okay? The son said, okay, you'll see. So, while you're alone, let's what happens. He comes to his friend's house with his Go run. The father says, Go run to your best friend. He loves you so much. And go there and make believe you just killed somebody. Okay. So he goes to his friend's house. And he comes to the door. He knocks on the door. His friend, The friend opens the door. He sees that this boy, is, his face is very dejected, very depressed and he's holding a sword and his clothing is full of blood and by and he's got holding a bag it looks like there's a head in there and it's dripping blood so the guy who owns the house his best buddy best friend says what's going on over here well he says to him please Godza open the door so that I could run into your house and hide from the police. Mikra Kazel, like Curly Boyle, this never happened to me. I was walking and this man was running after me. He had a sword. I beat him up. I took his sword. I cut off his head so that when the police find him, they don't know who he is. So I have his head in the bag. <laughs> so his friend says to him, are you crazy? He says, are you crazy? He says, yeah, I'm running away from the police. Let me in. He says, no way. He says, just let me in for tonight. Tomorrow morning, I'm out of your house. Just when you're in the streets looking for the murderer, let me in. He says, listen, Yadidi, my loved one, my buddy, my my man, you know, my boy. What's up? Just like you're scared of the cops. I'm also scared of the cops, man. I got a family, man. You know, if I get caught, who's going to feed my wife and my kids? Ever hear that before? Like, you know, I can't, I can't take the hit for you. But any rights of like Zaira. I don't want that I should be in trouble with you. Ulachain, <laughs> Avak i I'm begging you, if you're my real friend, he tells the guy with the head in his hand. Shastalik, Mamakhan, run, get out of here! If you're my real friend, don't get me in trouble. You killed somebody, you handle it, you get out of here. You believe such a story? The story sounds like it's unbelievable? It's very believable. I've seen it over and over and over again. I put up he slammed the door in his face. and he and left him in the street. All right, Dad was right about him. He's a loser anyway. I got I got 59 other guys to go to. So, we'll make it happen. And a whole night he goes from one house to the next house and he gets the same thing. My parents are home. I can't hide you. I'm going to get in trouble. You know what I mean? I just started college. You don't want to get me kicked out of college. I just started going out with this girl. She might be the right one. If she finds out, I'm, I'm, I hang out with a murderer. All the excuses. Fifty-nine sixty different excuses. Not one guy left him in the house. Okay. He said, he said by the time he got to the third guy, he didn't even get to finish half his story. By the time he said half his story, they already threw him out. Okay. Nope. But there's a second half to the deal. So he came home. And he said, Dad, you're right. He said, not yet. Now go to my friend. Go to my friend. And go knock on his door. Okay? You got it. So he went. If he went to the half a friend of his father. He knocked on the door. And he told him the same thing. Ah, I cut a guy's head off. I skinned it. I don't want anyone to see it. Da-da-da-da. Can you put me up? He said, My hair, hurry up. He caught us, Labayis. Come inside the house. Don't scream. Don't make any noise. He took the bag with the head in it and the knife. And he hid it in the corner. In his garden. He gave him hot water to wash his body. She gave him new clothing. And he hid him in a room. He said, My son, First he took care of him. First he took care of him. Then he said, "Maasi, so what did you do? What's going on over here?" It's not good what you did here, and it's not good for your father. Your father is a tzaddik. You're going to get your father into big trouble. Now tell me again what happened. And you told him again what happened. He said, "Okay, tonight stay in my house. Tomorrow we'll go to shul. We'll daven." So Hashem should save Kalei Yisrael, that you killed a person and you're a Jew, we're all going to get into trouble. So he's thinking right away of the good of this kid. First, let's get you cleaned up. First, let's make sure nobody catches you. Then let's go dava for you. Let's go take care of you. And then we'll see what Akash Baruch Hu wants. Okay? So the kid realized what his father had said was right, so he turned over. He wasn't going to stay all, all night by this guy. So he told him, he said "About uh, to this half a friend, he said, listen, I don't want to stay. I want to go home. He says, no, I'm not letting you go home. So he said, "No, I want to go home." So he went home, and he went home with this guy together with this old man who was the half friend. And they came to his father, and the Bakr saw the love between his father and this half friend that wasn't based on eating, drinking, fun, money. And he realized what the Mishnah says that of a'hava shetliy bedava. A love and a friendship that's based on something. He does this for me, he does that for me. When that something is in jeopardy, the friend disappears. Friend disappears. I know a guy that was friendly with another guy. They were friends for five years. Then this guy's sister got married, and also this guy never heard from the other guy. And he found out that this friend that he was friendly with really wanted to marry his, this guy's sister. And he thought that as long as he hangs around the house, the sister's gonna look at him, they're gonna get to talk to each other. And the minute the sister got married, he said, I don't need this guy as a friend. His sister's married, there's no more sister for me. If the whole reason the friendship is based on something, then when what's based is gone, the friendship's gone. When the Ava's not based on anything, it's just a friendship between two people who don't want anything from the other guy. That's a friendship that lasts forever. So, when you have a bad friendship with a guy that's taking you down, Think about it tonight. What does he want from me? What does he get from me? And if he gets anything from you, then he's the wrong friend. If it's about money, your sister, your car, your house, or any other thing that he's getting from you, then that's not a real friendship. Then when Chas and when the chips are down and you need a real friend, he's not going to be there for you. And if that friend's the guy that's taking you down, run for your life. One for your life. You see the story here? I'm not telling you to test it out like this because I I don't don't advise you walking around with blood on your shirt and everything else. But think about, if you came to your friend in the middle of the night, Chastor Shalom, and said, I think I killed somebody by accident. Could I come here and sleep here tonight? How many of them would say, no problem, but the cops are chasing me, man. I'm just telling you, they're looking for me. How many guys would say, it's okay, come to the basement, I'll, I'll watch you, I'll take care of you. Tomorrow we'll get a lawyer, you know what I mean? Or how many are going to say, listen, <laughs> you killed somebody, <laughs> not my house. You know, like, like, you know, the cops are after you, like, like, have a good day. That's not your friend. So it's, it may be a little bit of a boring subject, but it's a very big subject. Because the Sahara, one of his biggest kaiches, is to lead you to the wrong friends. A person who has good friends ends up being a good person. A person who has bad friends ends up being a bad person. You know, everybody comes to me and they say, "All oh, right, Austin, you're in of kids off the derech. What's the main reason you could attest why kids are off the derech? Give us the main reason. Is it the Rebbe? Is it the parents? Is it America? What is it? Nine out of ten. It's the friends. You could have the best parents from the best yeshiva and everything's perfect and one bad friend, you're done. So the Yetzirah knows this. So he sends you that bad friend. Not a bad person. Everyone's good. Everyone can do chuva. Everyone's a tzaddik. But not for you. Not for this cake. Don't put poison in my cake. Poison sometimes can be good. It's good for rats. Kills them. Right? Sometimes a little poison at a time. A little venom from a snake. Builds antibodies. But not for you. But not for you. You can't handle poison. So if he's going to be about chuva and he's going to change, ah, Baruch Hashem. I'll be his friend after that. Now, that's the biggest weapon. I'm dealing with this for the last, I don't know, probably last year. The biggest weapon. Guys use it on girls. They keep telling the girls that they that, that because of you, I, I go to, I go to Davin because you are a better guy. And they girls, they fall for this every single time. by Wallerstein, he, he's no good. He does everything wrong, but you don't understand. Since I'm in his life, he goes to Minion in the morning. And they really, they really get carried away. They'll go out with any, I'm, I'm giving you hints. I shouldn't give you, but. You know, and and they think that they're changing this guy, and they're not changing this guy. He's just waiting to hunt until he gets her. And then he goes further, and he does what he has to do. You know, he continues in his life. Mm -hmm. You don't change for a girl. It doesn't last. You change for Hashem. Because, again, if you're changing for an object, if the object changes, you get into the first fight with her, you're done. You're throwing her off. Everything's off. If I'm only religious because of her, she's giving me a hard time with her mother. They both give me a hard time. And the reason I married her, Right? was only because of this, that, and the other thing, if this, that, and the other thing, go, I'm out of here. So, so the basis of a marriage can't be on something that's free with devil. It has to be on a person that you feel has potential, and that you can grow with, and that's the reason. If it's a person's beauty, the person doesn't stay beautiful. If it's a person's brilliance, the person doesn't always have a chance to use their brilliance. It has to be a person's midos, because midos don't change. <laughs> Nobody can change their midos for someone else. You should know that. If you have a temper, you have a temper. And you have to work on it a very long time to change your midos. So if a girl says he has no temper, I know that the reason he has no temper is not because of her. Or if someone is stingy, he's going to be stingy. It's going to take a long time for him not to be stingy. The guy who doesn't want to tip a waitress, he's stingy. It might have taken him to the fifth date to see it but it's a very hard thing to change a midos. So on the other hand, if the midos are good, if you see good midos in in a person, it's very hard to change them to make them bad. So what he was looking for of Ramavinu in Rivka was her midos, because her midos are not going to change. Rivka came from a bad home. I mean, she wouldn't have made it in our day in a shidduch. They would have called up the rabbi, you know, in the town. So how's that little girl Rivka? Oh, great girl. She goes to base Rivka or whatever, you know. <laughs> but, you know, she's a great girl. She's in school. Everything's great. Tell me something about her family. Her brother, the biggest crook in town. Her father, an idol worshiper. Do they go to Minyan? No, those two don't go to Minyan, right? She went and had a shidduch. So why did Avraham want specifically a shidduch from his family? Avraham had a Besyakov. He had a Beis Yaakov. He had Gayrim. Right? He did a car on hundreds of girls. Why don't you go to Beis Yaakov of Avram Avinu, his school, right? Go down the hall, get the valedictorian of 12th grade. My son! Because how did he get how did he get them to become gayrim? He gave them to eat. He gave them money. He gave them a place to live. Take that away from them. What's going to happen? They're not strong. They were bought. So Avram Avinu Said, go to my family. Those two guys, Bisuel and Lovon, those lowlifes, right? My nephew. I have been working on them to make them Jews, to make them find God. They're the most stubborn anti-Semites you'll ever meet. I want their daughter and their sister. Does that make sense to anybody? The biggest anti-Semite? He says, yeah, because you can't buy them. I tried to buy them. I tried to change them. You can't buy them and you can't change them. And I need that in Klai And therefore, I want a girl, even if she comes from such a home, stark, strong, she's not buyable. These girls in this space, Yaakov, that I run, next year, some Muslim guy comes and says, I'll build you a bigger house. I'll get you better food. I'll give you a better car. They're out of here. Because they only changed because there was a double, there was something to change to therefore they'll change out right away. So he got Rifka because he wanted that stubbornness, even though the stubbornness was anti, but he wanted that stubbornness in Claustral to help us, everyone in this room, that we shouldn't be able to be bought. So when the Goyim come and say to us, we'll pay you in the Spanish Inquisition. Become Moranos, Bow down to the cross. And we'll let you keep your houses. And we'll give you gold. And they said, no, burn me. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? That came from from Avram going into the Kivshon of Aish and that came from Rivka. So now the question is: Let me pick up because maybe it's something. urgent. I'm so just going, hello. Hi, what are you? I'm in the middle of a shear. What's wrong? Why are you in the middle of a shear? 11:45 Okay, I'll call you right back. It's not an emergency. Okay, so listen carefully. It's beautiful. So the next parasha after that by Toldos, it says by right to Habanim Bikirba. The two kids were, right? She didn't know that there were two kids. She walked by a church, and the kid tried to get out. And then she walked by a shul, and the kid tried to get out. And she thought it was one kid. So she said, Why me? Rifka didn't complain to Hashem, why me? That they were fighting inside. She said to Hashem, Avraham picked me because I'm stubborn. And now you give me a kid who's shushu? Go past the movie theater. He wants to go out to the movies. Go past Miryashiv on Avenue R. He wants to go sit and learn. He wants to go to a bar. He wants to go to the, 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 the cave. You know, Mitzvah Chavez on Avenue P. And then when you, you walk past Chaim Berlin, a few blocks up, he wants to go learn. The shoots shushu. She said, I don't understand. The reason he took me is because we're very strong in our ideas. So how could I have a child that's all mixed up? Why did you pick me? You didn't take your base Yaakov girls from Charan because you didn't want someone that's mixed up. But if I have a child that's mixed up, why'd you take me? So she went to shame and shame said, you don't have a child that's mixed up. You got two shepherd kids. One's a tzaddik, you can't change him, Yaakov. Love untried. And one's such a rasha, Aesop. You can't change him no matter what you do. You got two guys, black and white, definite colors. So Avrama Avinu's idea of giving the strength to Klai that, that our behavior that we cannot be bought that came from Rivka. As bad as the family she came from they were solid bad. And they were focused on bad. and Therefore when you take that and you change it to good you become a Rivka Imenu and you have a Yaakov Avinu. There are a lot of guys in this room that are, that are Shushu including myself we're like one day this way and the wind blows that way we're that way and the wind blows that way but there's at least half of the guys sitting in here that are absolutely the most stubborn people you ever talk to they're so stubborn it's unbelievable great you're in better shape than the shushu guys why because you may be stubborn now to do the wrong thing. I don't care what the rabbi says. I don't care. I don't know what he's talking about. My parents don't know what he's talking about. You can't change my mind. Come on, rabbi. Try to change my mind. Yeah, what? That's the guy I want. That's the guy I want to talk to. That's the guy I want to talk to. The first girl I ever dealt with. Ever. Off the street. I walked into a room at 12 o'clock midnight on Tisha. Well, that's a smart idea. Right? In a rehab. I walked into a room. They're waiting for me. Not a pro-rabbi room at all. Most of them were on the streets at thirteen, fourteen, because some rabbi in school screamed at them or threw them out of school, or some rabbi told their parents to throw them out of the house. So rabbi was a bad word. So I walked in and I said, don't shoot me. I'm a rebbe. I'm not a rabbi. You know what a rebbe is? They were looking at me I'm like, a rebbe is a rebel without the L. So don't get nervous. So this girl stood, stood in front of me. I'll never forget it. And she looked at me. and she, I'm not going to say it on tape. She said the worst curse word that you know. Blank you! Blank the rabbis! Blank God! Blank Judaism! Screaming at me at the top of her lungs. Her tongue rings almost popped out. That's how, that's how angry she was at me. Okay, You're talking tattoos, tongue rings, yelling at me, screaming at me. And I'm thinking to myself, Oh, baby, when this girl turns to the good side, she is going to be a Rebbitzin, Because the same fire of hatred will become fire of the love of Hashem. Forget about it. Now, there was some kids sitting there on the couch. Yeah, what? (laughs) So what? So what's happening? Yeah, Rabbi, got a story for us? So yeah, I'm like, I'm wasting my time with that guy. There's no fire. So even if I turn him, and I make him religious, he's going to like, so God, what's up? (laughs) <laughs> you think you think maybe I should dive it maybe like Modani yeah I like that too Modani that's nice <laughs> what am I doing with him so I turned them. so what happened Turn her and she's gonna sit in shul and say love you God love you Jews love the ra- well not love the rabbis love the rabbis you know screaming that kayak, that fire that's what Rifka came from such a house of hating God hating Judaism she turned it she had the fire to go against Yitzchak to get Yaakov the bracha. She used who was loving when they asked information on her? The biggest crook there was. She said, I know how to be a crook. I, know, I learned from his game how to do trickery. Okay, when Yaakov has to go get the bracha, we got to set this up. He's got to put hair on his hands so he feels like Esav. He's got to put on a coat like he smells like Esav. Don't say anything Yaakov! Hey, little Rifka Imenu here. Robinson, so there still, Who taught you this stuff? You know, costumes. Changing what you look like. Changing what you smell like. Changing what you talk like. Rivka Imeno, where did this come from? That nice little girl by the well. She took the negative stuff in her house, the stealing and the trickery, the biggest Moy who was love on, and she used it for the good. So if a guy's stubborn... He has to use that stubborn to say the Itzahara. No. I could say no. I'm a stubborn guy. Don't waste your time with me. Stop bothering me. Because I don't change my mind once I make up my mind. So stubborn can be awesome. Stubborn can be unbelievable. Look what stubborn did for Rifka. Because she was stubborn in a Yiddishka, you couldn't buy her off, you couldn't change her. And that's why we can't be bought off. And that's why, through the Crusades and through all the years that they tried the missionaries today, the missionaries. They they go and they offer camps and millions of dollars to Jews and the Jews say no and they don't understand why. They look at us like we're crazy. Why not? What do you have already? We'll let you put on tefillin. Jews for Jesus. Put on tefillin! Put on tzitzins! And we're like, are you crazy? Don't even try to sell me this stuff. And they're able to sell everybody else but they can't sell us. You know why? Because we had a Rifki menu that was stubborn. So you know what Akash Baruch Hu said? I'm kishay orif. Sounds like a very negative thing. I'm kishay and, uh a, a, a nation of stiff necks oh, that's a nice compliment yes it's a very big compliment we're a very stubborn nation we don't go down the whole world has gone down the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire the per- everything has gone down the Jews don't go down where did that come from? that came from Rivki Imenu that came from Avramovinu. Avinu that came from being thrown into a fire so if you are stubborn and you are strong you have to start looking at who your friends are you have to start looking, and I'm not telling you to go over tonight. Well, since I can't talk to you anymore, I don't want to get shot in the street. I'm, you know, you, you, I broke up all your friendships. You have to do this in your head: who's good for me, who's not good for me. I want to grow, and second of all, if I did something good and I'm strong, I don't want to lose what I did. I want to end off. I, I, I would feel very bad stealing the story from you. Don't ask me if it's true or it's not true. It's said from a, the Guraye, which is a time of. Uh, Great Sadiqim, so I'm, it's got to be true if it's in the safer. It's a little bit scary, but you, you got to hear this. This is about, I'm going to end with this. This is about, about Tila. Listen carefully. He said that um, there was this young boy, and this young boy was an amazing, amazing kid. He was very, 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 very brilliant. His parents were very, very rich. He was, how old? That he knew Shas at 10 years old. At 10 years old, he knew Shas and all the Paiskim. He lived in the time of the Bal Gurayeh. The Gurayeh loved this kid. Hey, he's 10 years old, he knows the house And they used to learn together. Anyway, one day, a group of Saykhrim, a group of businessmen, came to this town. This boy was only 10 years old. They came to this town, and I'm going to make it short because it's late. And the, the, the richest of the businessmen started to talk to this kid and become his friend. And he showed him all the things that he gets from all over the world. He became his friend and he talked about business and he saw that this kid was not normal brilliant. He was 10 years old. He was not normal brilliant. So he went over to the father of this kid and he said, listen, in those days they used to make a deal way before you were old, you know, who's going to marry who? He said, I want your son as my son-in-law. When he grows up, I would like to make a star, a contract that my daughter will marry your son. But before I make this contract, I would like to take your son to my house, to my town. It's not far from here, right, for one week. It's three days to get to my town. You should stay in the town for a week, meet my daughter, meet my wife, meet the town. I want them to all hear how great and tired. I don't want to go back and tell my daughter that I made a shidduch and she doesn't know who it is. So three days, one day there, three days back, it's going to take a week. The father was like, I don't know. You don't want to miss him for a week. He says, no, every day he'll write a letter to you. So you'll always get a letter every single day from him where he is. And the son said, I don't know. And he told the son, we have all these presents and prizes. He talked him into it. Okay, listen. This a wild story. So, fine. So, they take him. I don't know. We're always talking about Shindalids but they were a group of Shind of of of, 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 of from the other side. And this because this boy was such a big tzaddik and he was such a big gadol, they want him. Listen to listen. I have to read it to you from inside because it's like a wild story. Okay. So. I want to get to the point. Okay, so they're going for a week, and they end up, the boy realizes there's a problem because they're going through midboros, through deserts, and through mountains, and he's like, what happened to the three-day trip? And they tie him up. And they gag him. And he realizes that he was kidnapped. There's no daughter, there's no shiruch, there's nothing. They kidnapped him, but he doesn't know who they are. Meanwhile, his parents are home, they're waiting for the letter the first day, the second day, the third, nothing. So they ran to their goraye and they told him that uh, they're very scared about what happened to their son. So the Gordayi said, let's take on a Tainus, three people, three people. We'll take on a Tinus and we'll daven. And we'll daven to Hashem, you should have Rachmanis on your son. It looks like he was kidnapped. These Rishab took the child and they took him to a a, a tower in the middle of the desert. migdal a very huge tower. they put him in the tower. So grus they closed the door, v'hochol they left. This poor ten-year-old boy. He's sitting. He's sitting by himself. In he's sitting by himself in the middle of a midbar, right in the middle of a midbar. Nobody around, and they left him. Okay, so he starts to look around to see what is going on in this castle. No. He looks around. He begins to hear a voice, and he starts looking through the rooms. Where's this voice coming? And he hears a voice saying, "Ivavoi." Oy you also have been captured like me? And he says, you're going to lose, he hears this voice saying, you're going to be killed, you're going to lose your head. He starts to look, he's looking, he's looking, he doesn't see anything. All of a sudden he walks into a room, and there's a box. And on top of this box, I'm reading to you from inside, and on top of this box, Pithayim Ra Roish, he sees the head of a human, Just the head, no body, on top of this box. And the head, without the body, is talking to him. The kid became very scared. We'd all become scared. He stood opposite the head. He said to the head, who are you? I'm a Jewish head. I'm a Jew, just like you. And I was captured as a young boy by these cursed black magic practitioners when I was very young. I also was a very young boy. I was a a protege. I was very brilliant. They bribed me. They kidnapped me. And he told them the following things. He said, they go around and they steal young boys. Kidnap them. He says, I am on this box as a head for 80 years. And every month, these cursed black magic practitioners come. And they ask me questions. It's real real black magic. They ask me questions. And sometimes they bring, they're looking for a Bechar. Don't get nervous, guys, if you're a Bechar. A Bechar, the son of a Bechar, who knows how to learn Tyra three days before his bar mitzvah, they keep him in here, till three days before his bar mitzvah, they cut, they, they shecht him, they burn the body, they clean out the head, and they put underneath his tongue, a piece of parchment written with all the Shaydim's name on it, and they call this truffim. Gemara talks about this. He said, I It's called truffin. And the th- when they do this, they're able to ask the head anything. And because of the, the names that are underneath the tongue, the head talks and gives them the answer. The lottery number, whatever they need to know, they can get all that information. He says, I am sitting here for 80 years with this Tumor. And of course the child now begins to scream and cry. He's locked up. This is what's going to become of him, a head on a box. No, they're both crying. And after that, after an hour of crying, the head turns to the... You no, know, it doesn't turn. Huh? The head talks to the child, and he says, listen, from crying, nothing's going to happen here. Crying is not going to help anyone. He says, this is what I'll tell you to do. He says, if you swear to me in the name of Hashem, Yisrael, the head says to him, if you swear to me in the name of Hashem, the God of Israel, that you will take me with you, and you will bury me in a Jewish grave, and you will say Kaddish for a year on me, and you will do a Tikkun for me, then I'll tell you how to get out of here. He said, You got a deal. He said, Okay. He said, Take me underneath your arm. Tells the boy, take the head underneath your arm and jump out of the window into the field below. He said, I can't I can't jump out of the window to the field below. We're both gonna get killed. Haha. <laughs> um we're both gonna lose our heads if I jump down, right? So it's not a funny story, so I shouldn't make a joke out of it. So he says, how's that gonna work? He says, don't worry. You're, you're rough and everybody's is for you. Hashem will help us. He says, what do you have to lose? If you die, then they can't do what they want to do. You're going you're gonna to end up like me anyway. So we might as well do it. So he grabs him. He jumps from the window. and a miracle. He was saved because of the Torah that he learned when he was a, his first 10 years of life. That protected him. We learn from this, says, Chaim. That the Torah that a person learns can save you from every anything. Well like, nifka klal, he didn't get injured. Okay. Meanwhile, let's go back to the Guryaye. The Guryaye gathered everybody together in the Beis Haknesses, and everybody was fasting because he saw in a dream that where the boy was, and he understood that the boy was in great danger. And they went into shul, tainus slichos to heal him viday of Yom Kippur. They opened up all the windows. I don't know why okay, why they opened up all the windows. They opened up all the windows in the base Knesset and they began to cry and they began to scream and nothing happened. And then he got up to Guryaye and he said, I'm going to blow the Shifer. And as long as the Shifer is being blown, everybody has to say the Yud Gimel Midas Hashem Hashem Karach HaMachanan. And they were screaming and they were screaming and all of a sudden they saw an old man standing by the door, by the window, which of course was Eliyar Navi who took this child and the head, from where they were and brought him to the shul. He put the child down in shul and he disappeared. That moment they stopped crying, they stopped davening because the was broken. He said, what are you doing with somebody's head? So the rab, the Guryayi, was very big in Kabbalah. So... They realized that they had to say Kaddish for him. They made a big levaya. They buried him in the kever of Yisroel. And it's funny that Avat says, I'm not even telling you the whole story. I'm saying the story in short. But I want to end with what he says and the point of the story. The point of the story is the following. Bekitzer, in short, the koyach of prayer that this shul was davening, which saved him when he fell out of the window that he didn't get hurt. The Kayach of the Torah that you learn even when you're a little kid. You think, I'm learning, big deal, what's going to make a difference? This, this can save you from the darkest kishof, magic, black magic, whatever it is. The Torah and the tefillah can save a person from anything. As he says in the end, Yakim says, Just like Hashem saved this child from this terrible death that they wanted to do Hashem should save the whole Klai Yisrael from the terrible suffering that Klai Yisrael is going through. I can't tell you for sure this story is true, but being that it's brought down on the Avashayim and it's brought down in the times of the Goryarye, it's true, black magic has all kinds of crazy and all kinds of tumult. And we have to stay away from all this stuff. And we have to be careful who we go to to read our palms and to and to and, and all these all over Queens and all over the place. I'm not saying specific who and who's good and who's not. I can't tell you who's good and who's not. Be very careful. Davin. Learn. That's what's going to protect you. They're not going to protect you. Kedayolim, Tzaddikim, go get brachas. Don't get your palms read by some lady in some house. Ladies don't have kedusha. Okay, those ladies that read palms, that's not coming from Kedusha. Don't sell your soul. With the oils and all these things that guys are telling me this week, I went to this lady, she looks in the oil, this is all kishav. This is all black magic. And if they do a favor for you, you belong to them. Stay away, what do you need this for? Go daven, put on your tiller, put on your titses. It's what you have to do. That's going to protect you. Stay away from it. I, I know someone that told me this week, I was like, how could you go to a woman? She's not even Jewish. He doesn't say, but she's always Right? You know, she, she reads in Queens. They have these gypsies. They say, oh, you guys, Bukharis. all oh, run to these people. What are you doing? This is crazy. What are you doing? Run to the G'dayli. Run to the Tzadikim. What are you... Having women read your tarot cards and your, your palms. This is Tumah. You're going to end up with your head on a box somewhere. Not a joke. I'm not saying it as a joke. That's what they want. They want you your Neshama. What are we doing? So be very careful. Very careful. If it's a rabbi, as you are going to with a long beard, find out who his rabbi is. He tells me, my Rebbe's God, run for your life. Because that's what them say. That's their answer. Who's your Rebbe? Who do you ask Shilas when someone comes to you for advice? Who do you ask Shilas for? God. Really. Only Moshe Rabbeinu's Rebbe was God. Yeshua already had a Rebbe called Moshe. The first missionary in of Elos. Moshe, Kibot, Torah, Messinai. After that, everyone has to have a Rebbe. If that person doesn't have a Rebbe, run. Run for your life. And I'm just going to end, and I'll tell you something that happened to me. I went, there was this woman, she's Jewish, she had a name, she could do a lot of things, whatever it was, she's Jewish, she was a shaito, what could be wrong? But something bothered me. Something about her bothered me. So on my way, I heard a lot of stories about her healing and stuff, on my way I said, Hashem, how do I know if she's good or bad? Right? I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask her a question. When I walk into the room, I'm going to ask her, who's your Rebbe? If she gives me a Rebbe, I want to see what she can do. If she doesn't give me a Rebbe, I'm out of here. I walk into the room, I said, who's your Rebbe? She says, the Rambam. I said, the Rambam? He's been dead a while. (laughs) She goes, no, when I have a question, I conjure him up to ask him for an answer. I'm like, first of all, the word conjure is not good conjurer is not good and second of all the Rambam is sitting in Ganei in Yeshiva of do you think this lady right sitting in Manhattan can just like hey Rambam I got a question and he's going to come running the like Gideon couldn't get the Rambam to answer their question I'm like nah I'm out of here I said by the way you're, you're shyless in Halacha someone comes to ask Shilas in Halacha you have a rabbi Rab-Mai, you have David Feinstein who's your rabbi I don't need a rabbi I talked to God. I'm like, that's it. That's it. I had my answer, right? I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave. I wanted to leave. I could not leave. She said, okay, let me just show you what I do. I'm not going to do it on you. Let me just show you. Anyway, to make a long story short, in the middle, I just realized that this is a very bad person, a very, a very bad place, and, and, and I left. But here you are, Reverend Wallstein, who's seasoned, who I, right? I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. Therefore, I said, Hashem, you gave me the answer. I didn't listen to you. If the person doesn't have a Rebbe, and you have to check out who that Rebbe is, you can't go to that person. Puerto Rican ladies who read tarot cards in your palms, right, they don't have a Rebbe. Don't even ask them who their Rebbe is. Because you don't want to know, okay? They don't have a Rebbe. Stay away from that. Stay away from that. And I don't know why I'm telling you this tonight, because it has nothing to do with my chabura, with Rizki Menu, and dating, and anything else. And it's 5 to 12. That means that there's someone in this room Who's going to somebody who's from the other side. And you know who you are. I don't know who you are. So the last 15 minutes was for you. I was not supposed to speak about this tonight. So whoever you are, Hashem's giving you a chance to never to do it again and to walk away from it. Take the chance. Be stubborn. Whoever you are in here, be stubborn. Because what they want is your Neshama. Don't give up your Neshama. May Hu protect us. Protect all of Christ's there we see Mashiach be amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.